Welcome to the Strategy Show. We explore with real people how to develop and deploy strategies that work. We discover how they overcome obstacles along the way, balancing both achievement and fulfillment. We dive into the most powerful routines, tactics, and strategies and discover how they manage to stay fresh, strong, and happy. This is your host, Simon Severino. Welcome back to the Strategy Show. We are here today with Andrea Fare, former technology strategy advisor and client relationship manager at TechRain in Rome, Italy. Since three years, he's an independent consultant and a holacracy coach. Welcome, Andrea. Hi, guys. Thanks for having me. Thanks you for being here. Andrea, are you ready for a rapid set of questions? Definitely ready. Okay, so what are you currently creating and why? Right, well, uh, at the present time, I'm actually focusing most of my time on trying to develop a generalized, personal, generalized approach to transforming uh, organizations. Um, I, I, I want to help organizations, specifically in Italy at the moment, um, switch their mindset from, from, from the efficiency mindset that Taylorism pushed on them for so many years to uh, um, the ability to develop uh, a collective intelligence that is at least machines take over completely. And, and I'm, I'm focusing mostly on Italy first because it is my country. And, and I think uh, my country has a lot of uh, unexpressed uh, potential. It is somehow a funny, a funny country. We, we, we like creativity and improvisation. Uh, I wonder if that, uh, if that affects somehow our relationship to power and uh, intending to even appreciate leaders that, that, that show creativity in tricking the system itself sometimes. <laughs> and we see that in companies and in politics. Uh, so that there's a lot to work on. Interesting. Creativity and power. Can you tell a little bit more about that? Well, yes. Uh, when... when, when uh, when you live in a system in a, in a, that, that uh, where rules are not really um, respected uh, or when there are too many rules and, and then life becomes complex uh, and, and you have to improvise, right? And uh, as soon as you start improvising and you develop those skills, then trying to bend the rules or, or maybe just interpret the, the rules of, uh, which you are most uh, comfortable with, with uh, becomes a skill. <laughs> and that opens the door uh, to a distortion of your relationship to power. Uh, this is this is my opinion, at least. At least, and we 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 have a, that sort of problem in Italy. Oh, maybe mm -hmm. all Mediterranean countries have the problem a little, a little bit. If we, if we could, if we look at the adoption of self-management practice uh, in Europe, I can really see a trend with the countries around the Mediterranean having most of the problems with that. Interesting. Uh, what do you not stand for, and what do you stand for? Oh, that, that's an interesting. That's an interesting question. I would say I do not stand for selfishness. Uh, I see a lot of selfishness uh, uh, around me at the at the expenses of, of, of the system and, 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 and of others, and it often uh, appears under under disguise. So yeah, selfishness is def definitely something I don't stand for. On the other hand, I really stand for transparency and uh, transparency, and and, uh, and I think uh, 
our societies need more transparency in order to develop a, a better collective intelligence. Um, I think the age of, uh, of power by owning information is coming to an end, uh, although very few people are realizing this, in my opinion. Uh, you can own infrastructure, you can own land, uh, you can own services and products, but there, there's no owning ideas anymore. Um, if you don't realize that, I think uh, you will have trouble in the near future. So transparency, definitely. I, I stand for that. Mm -hmm. When someone decides for your offering, what do they really decide for? Or in other words, what do you manufacture? All right. Well, I do not directly manufacture anything that can be sold in a strictly packaged or transactional way like no books yet at least <laughs> um, no canvases there are there are many canvases <laughs> everybody is coming up with their own canvas to deal with some specific <laughs> problem or issue <laughs> oh i operate mostly in the coaching and consulting domain so uh, i think what clients appreciate the most uh, is a, a systemic view that connects their, their problems uh, mostly their organizational problems to, to a path of potential solution which we can discover and walk through together without me trying to force any prepackaged truth on them. So oh, that in spite of the fact that I have some strong ideas, <laughs> obviously. Um, but I think as a, as a consultant, I, I, a consultant in general becomes really strong and valuable when he's able uh, to, to reject an engagement rather than bend his ideas around it. Do you have a favorite failure, one that sets you up for later success? Ooh, that's, that's an interesting question too, yeah. Well, I, I have a huge failure in my life. I, but I, as, as, the, as the question suggests, I don't know if we can really we can call it a failure. I've devoted many mm -hmm. years of my life into trying to become a professional musician. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and that, and I, I can say I fail in that, that, yeah, definitely. Um, on, I wouldn't be able to, to track the cause as well. It's, it's very hard to, to become, to become a musician now, nowadays to have a career in, in music. But on the other end, although I spent so much energy on doing that, I think I, I, I got out of it a lot, a lot. I've learned a lot. The, the experience uh, has helped me carve my purpose better. And, and counterintuitively, is also has also contributed to to a lot of my organizational skills because music music groups are incredible forms of uh, temporary organizations. They present very tough challenges to to be solved. Uh, musicians are very um, different personalities. Uh, like a, a musical band, a musical group is is in fact a, a a temporary organization with its own purpose that has to make money and sometimes only lasts one single night. So it's very interesting in the realm of organization. Mm -hmm. How would the two people you influenced most describe you? Ooh, well, uh, I don't know if the people who have influenced me the, the most actually know me. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I should definitely mention my parents because I think they did. Mm -hmm. I've been very lucky and they have very different personalities. Um, my mom is more of a social animal and, and my father is a rather, a rather analytical person. 
if I were to name two people in a broader context, uh, I would probably mention um, Jürgen Schmidhuber. I don't know if you ever heard of him. He's an, he's an AI uh, no. scientist. <laughs> I think it's, I don't know if it's German or Swiss, but I know he works in Swiss. And he has written <laughs> some incredible stuff um, on the conversion of, uh, of the um, biological mind with the artificial, with artificial intelligence. And uh, there's, there's some papers that he has wrote, like the formal theory of fun and creativity. Uh, it's, um, it's unbelievable stuff that has influenced me a lot, not so much in the work I do, but in the way I see uh, how things work. So Jimmy Dubar is certainly one, one, one of the people who has influenced me the most. And then also Christopher Hitchens, which you probably know, he was a journalist uh, and a critical thinker. And uh, ooh, I, I, I often find myself watching his speeches again and again. It always amazes me how beautifully he spoke. But I should mention a much longer list, like Richard Feynman, or even sociologist uh, Nicholas Ruman, Luhmann, which was recently mm-hmm. introduced to me by Gerald Mitterer. And uh, mm-hmm. I discovered a new world. There's a lot to read. Unfortunately, most of it is in German. <laughs> That's true. And we will put uh, your recommendations in the resources oh, great. for the listeners. Great, yeah. great. What did you recently change your mind about? Oh, well, I'll give you a meta answer to that. Um, I think uh, it's probably a twisted one, but I've changed my mind about the possibility <laughs> to directly affect people's mind. And I always thought uh, previously that, that, that it was possible um, and it, that mind changing could be enforced by means of uh, communication and information. Uh, they can. There's no way to, to change people's minds uh, directly. And we often try to do that when we're very convinced with some of our theories and ideas. There's no way to directly do that. Or maybe it's just much harder than we think. And uh, I, think, I think people's minds change only when they experience change themselves. And, and, and most importantly, uh, when they are in a state of mind that lets them be willing to accept change, you have to enter in some sort of a ch- child mode to be able to accept change. And so this is, this is probably the, the, the biggest change in my approach uh, lately. Beautiful. Child, child, child mode. mode. Yeah, it's very important. <laughs> <laughs> What's your current big fear and how do you dance with it? Ooh, yeah. I don't know. I think my biggest fear, um, and I mean, in the, in the most general way I can, I can approach this, uh, this question, it's probably finding myself in, a, in a, some state of, a, of constrained ability to act, which I cannot overcome, uh, and to which I cannot put an end. Um, this rarely happens in, in life, obviously, so it's, uh, uh, it's not something I'm, I'm really, really scared on a day-by-day basis. But when I see uh, like terminally ill people uh, who would like to put an end to their life, and they actually can't because the laws of their country doesn't allow them to do that, oh, that, that really scares me a lot more than, than death itself, uh, I think. Yeah, that doesn't scare me um, at all. But that type of situation um, really scares me. And, um, and, and Italy is so slowly evolving towards a legislation that accounts 
for better possibility in that uh, in that realm. We have made some steps. We have a lot more to do in that direction. Yeah. So basically, that's my only fear. I would say. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you overcome it? I don't know. Just don't think about it. <laughs> I guess that's. <laughs> I guess that's the way. Yeah. You mentioned Richard Feynman, the Nobel Prize physicist, yes. and there is a a tool I learned from him that he would think about his twelve favorite problems and write them down and have them on a slow cooker and. Um, Do you have current favorite problems you are working on? Oh well, not specific problems. I'm 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 currently interested. Well, as you know, organizational transformation is very is very tough, and and um, we we find uh, problems that seems to look binary uh, somehow. They're, they they only have two two approaches to solution. For example. Uh, Now the problem seems to be the, the fact that we have bosses, right? And we would like to get rid rid of bosses. So it's either you have a boss or you don't have one. You, you cannot have alpha boss on the way there, right? <laughs> so the, it's what interested me the most now is actually see if that's actually a problem. Is is there a way to make a gradual shift when when the problem is presented to us as an as an all or nothing? problem and, and the boss issue is one is one of those so it's really is really challenging can we go from uh, having a boss to not having a boss gradually yeah that's 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 really my favorite problem at the moment to tackle yeah definitely. what was the best investment you did recently being it time or energy or other resources right i think the best investment is is trying to stay in touch with with like-minded people, with people who are developing the same approach uh, um, I am developing, and I'm, I'm talking mostly about, uh, about my job. So probably keeping in touch with all the teal and self-management uh, community across Europe has been a great uh, investment of time and of money because it requires travel, obviously. <laughs> Not much uh, happening in Italy, although something, something is going on here as well. But uh, I recently attended a um, teal camp in Switzerland and in Thun, and I, I was amazed. I met, met a lot of people, a lot of like-minded people. And, and especially when, you, when you're doing things and, and you're seen as a Martian in, in your own country, it's is nice to get together with other Martians and, and, and realize maybe there's a pl- planet we're all coming from. <laughs> it's the same planet. <laughs> Yeah, and that's uh, that's how we met with exactly. Brian Robertson in Vienna. I think it was at, at a practitioner training, was it? Exactly, yes. exactly. Yes, a couple of years ago, I think so. Yeah, yeah it must be three years <laughs> three ago. Years, yeah, three years yeah. ago, right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, I, that's how I met many of the people I actually spend a lot of time with. Because, uh, I know, that it, it seems like there's some sort of sensitivity uh, to actually appreciate in the... the, the the problems of uh, modern management that, that drive together uh, a lot of like-minded people. And from, from different areas uh, with different, completely different business experiences. So that somehow reflects even the variety of, of, of companies that are represented in uh, reinventing organizations, for example. Uh, we don't only have a variety of, compli- uh, of companies approaching these, uh, these new ways of doing, but a variety of people. <laughs> actually were developing interest in this. 
Mm-hmm. In the last three years, which new belief or habit has much improved your life? Oh, well, that's... Mm, I think, yeah, I think I've, 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 um, I've actually tried, although I haven't succeeded, to, um, to divide my time better or, or create a new balance in the way I spend my time outside of, uh, of work. Um, and and I, I came to the conclusion, and this is something I was uh, also doing as a, uh, as a musician uh, to better improve my, my, uh, my skills. And then, so I'd say I probably set aside four areas of development, uh, which I'm interested about and uh, to, to delve into in my spare time. And well, the first one is obviously physical exercise. Um, I, I'm trying, I'm tending to spend some time with that. And I know, Simon, you are an athlete, uh, so <laughs> I know you give importance to that as well. Uh, learning, definitely. I, I always try to set aside time for learning, connecting to other people, even without any direct interest in or, or income, outcome in mind, and trying to automate stuff. That's another thing we are, uh, that's really important to do. I'm not very good at it. I was much better at the beginning of my career when I was a software developer. But nowadays, it's yeah. becoming more and more important. We are overwhelmed with informations and things to do. So oh, yes. out- automating stuff, spending time trying to automate stuff is, is something we should, I don't know, I, don't, I, would, I would say if I have an hour every day, I would, I, would, I would probably spend 20 minutes trying to learn something new, 20 minutes trying to connect or reconnect with some, somebody I I know or somebody I want to know, and then 20 minutes try to automate something <laughs> that will make me... Let's dig deeper. Let's dig deeper into this because we get many questions in our productivity workshop and in our strategy forum about mm-hmm. what can I automate, what, how can I consolidate stuff and delegate it to a virtual assistant or to somebody or to a bot, basically like um, Zapier, IFTTT, uh, tell us what what well, are yeah. your I, I, I use, uh, I use those uh, those two as well. Uh, although I sometimes it's hard to keep track, uh, even what what you do with those. I sometimes I'm finding myself building a, uh, like scripts that run partly on my computer, then call other stuff and, and integrate uh, um, different tools in ways that they have not yet been integrated. But then it becomes also hard to keep tracks of the way you integrate them. And uh, so I think this is, this is a big challenge and it needs to be solved on the offer side, not so much on the, on the demand side. And uh, we, we are currently going through times where, where there is a need to abstract. Uh, if you look at your phone nowadays, you probably have 100 applications, right? And even re- just remembering what, what applications were, what was for, 72, yes, exactly. 72. But, but I, I, use, I use only 15 yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, on a regular basis every week, every week. Yeah. And, well, uh, and in, in terms of aut- automation, I, I managed to automatize things like um, new contacts coming in from new emails, getting into my CRM or f- uh, booking flights or scheduling time with, with, with others. That's a little bit of of things that I, I got automated in the last uh, in, in in recent months. 
Are there are there some things where you say I learned how to automate that and that could help listeners? Well, not really. I use I use that type that mostly that type, the same type of automation you use, like uh, for example, with my customer or prospect funnel. I have it. I have it set up uh, in, a, in a Trello board, and I have my email connected, and I, I just tag them and then send them there uh, in an automated way. That's that's one of the things we do. So I think we do pretty similar similar things. Um, I think what's lacking is something that brings together this complexity and some product needs to come out to actually help us abstract. I want to talk to my phone and, and I want the phone to know where I got that last message in what application. I don't have to go back and try to remember, right? Where did I get that message and what channel? Was it on Slack? What is, was it an SMS or something like that? We need a level of abstraction that's currently missing. And, uh, and, but of course, we need also to work a lot on, on our personal, personal productivity. And that doesn't only pertain to tools, or even the practices we use. I, I, uh, there, there's a lot to do in, uh, in, that, uh, in that realm. Uh, oh, I would, love to, uh, I would love to invite you to our productivity seminar, which is a two-day intense deep dive into exactly this and it's an open program yeah so it would be great interesting yeah, yeah. Some, i would be happy to, to, yeah. to share what i've uh, developed there i probably made more progress in my personal productivity rather than in the automation well i, I mostly use gtd so uh, which is has to become a religion for you to to really work but <laughs> i'm struggling but it's yeah. right i don't know if you share that it's still it's still it's still a great basis also for me. It's still a great f fundamental definitely standing point. Are there skills like GTD or else that you are constantly refining? Oh well, yes, I would say critical thinking. I think I, this is this is the most important skill. It's a very general general skill. I say I try to stay away from from logical fallacies as much as I can. Uh, because we are humans and, and we are prone to to that, uh, and I, I do sometimes fall prey to, to, to logical fallacies. So critical thinking—that's why I, I, I'm I love so much Christopher Hitchens and those kind of of thinkers who are really mm -hmm. good at critical things. Mm -hmm. Then facilitation and coaching skill—that's that's part of my job, and it's uh, it's they're very hard to to develop because they they require constant interaction with uh, with other people who are actually willing to be coached and, and facilitated so <laughs> that's that's another skill and the third skill i'd say it would be communication uh language is so important we, we often do not realize what, a, what an incredible difference even a single word can make uh, in a sentence and uh so that's these are the three the three main areas which i'm constantly refining i know they're very broad and, and generic but uh, uh i think yes this is this is it this is it for me and, I, and that's those are the areas where i feel i need to progress most the most mm -hmm. yeah in the last years what have you become better at saying no to like invitations or projects and and what approaches have helped you to say no? Well, I, I, I like to separate content from form. So uh, I, I think, I think and, I, and, I, and I've 
lately I've, I've started focusing a lot on my on my on my purpose. So I think it's very important for not only for organizations but for people to really try to find what their purpose is, and uh, and it's and, and it's hard. It's hard. It, it took me it took me years uh, to find out my purpose. And once you're aligned with your purpose, um, it's very easy to say no. And 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 it's not even required to actually come up with polite ways to say no. I find it that that it's it's uh, much better to be direct and just explain how thing the things you are rejecting are actually misaligned to your purpose. So I think I think that's 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 the best way to to address uh, no's. I, I I don't I don't resort to any. Um, to any specific way of saying no or rejecting, I just bring up my purpose and 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 uh, and try to match what's being asked to me with that purpose and and try to share that with the person who's uh, who's asking me. And most of the time, even if if it's communicated in a very direct way, it it just works because people understand. So purpose is the very basis that gives you the clarity, both in your how you approach yourself and your time and your energy, but also how you consult organizations because when there is self-organized work, the purpose is the boss basically and is the hierarchy and is the thing that you take in order to take decentralized decisions. Yes, I would say, right? uh, although not, not many uh, agree on that, but I think it, it is violent, vital not only for, for, for us, for people, but for organizations to, to have a clear purpose because... When you're basically telling an organization that to look for 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 a self-managed way of structuring, and you're basically removing the components that give orders, you have to give people a mean to make a distinction be, between what is useful for the organization and what is not useful. And and if the organization has a strong purpose, and if that purpose is strongly overlapped with the personal purpose of the people who are actually participating into that organization. That it makes much, uh, it becomes much easier to make uh, decisions for, for and, and take initiative, right? Because you just look at the purpose of your company, you come up with an idea, and it's it's if the purpose is clear, it's much easier to independently match that idea uh, with the fact that the company really needs it or not. Whereas before, you had to ask a boss. The purpose was somehow hidden to you, and sometimes many purposes you couldn't even know about, right? <laughs> some, some companies have purpose that you couldn't even share to the public. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's, purpose is really important because of that, mainly. It helps you make decisions at the organizational level and at the personal level much easier, much easier. So, so if listeners now are thinking, oh, this purpose that gives me clarity, I want to have a clear purpose, how do I get there? Do you have some oh, ideas? Well, there. I think that some books could uh, could help. Uh, I think uh, Simon Sinek has recently come out with a with a book, uh, which is uh, which is interesting uh, from organizations. I remember reading a book about finding personal purpose, but I don't remember the, the name of the author at the moment. But I'll let you know so that you can maybe publish it um, on the list. So there are there are processes, but I. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know if, if really if there's really, there's really a way. 
first you have to get out of the, on the uh, of the way. First, we have to try to step out of the of the um, somehow automated, but this time in a bad way, <laughs> way we live our, our lives. Step out of that and look and apply some sort of self-reflexivity to to what we are and and what we are doing. We we don't do that often. We don't. We are not educated. Uh, that's that's probably the problem. We 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 live in uh, in hierarchy, and that's that's a component of our how we evolved. But uh, we are somehow programmed. I wouldn't say intentionally programmed, but it's just just how things have have become. We are programmed to think in specific mindsets about our careers, our our positions in society. We uh, the definition of success is very standardized. As, as, uh, as soon as you just step out of this view, this standardized view, and start asking yourself, what, what, what am I really doing here? Is there, is there a reason why I'm here, or should I really find a reason? And, and, and am I really following that reason now? Uh, as soon as you start, uh, as soon as you develop the humbleness uh, to, 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 to clearly ask yourself those questions, then you, you, you jump on a path that helps you find your purpose and. Uh, Sometimes that happens abruptly, like it, it has happened to me. I don't, I don't think I've ever thought about my personal purpose um, before three years ago when I, when, I, when I left my job. So sometimes it's, a, it's a, something that, that happens at a specific point in time. And, and I would say Brian Robertson uh, contributed to, to that. Actually, I think that the, um, the first uh, taste or workshop I attended uh, really, really made, a, made an impact uh, I was uh, keeping some tensions about about organization, about my life work, and I was uh, I was attributing those tensions to to people, and and then then I understood it's not it's not about the people, it's not it's never about the people. It's mostly about the mechanisms of of interaction, and uh, when I realized that, I said, oh, I think this is this is where I have to go, because there's no other ways to fix. Do you? Have- this sounds great. Do you have an example for listeners? Um, what do you mean? What do you mean an example? Um, of this uh, people versus oh, mechanisms. Oh yeah. Well, I can I can tell I can tell you by myself. Uh, I, I've worked in, in in consulting for for several years, maybe almost twenty years, and I've been a developer, and then I've become um, a manager. So going from the technical uh, aspect of. Uh, of, of um, dealing with my, my work to, to managing people, which is, which is the definition of management nowadays. And, and I found myself, when, when I was uh, at the bottom of the hierarchy, I was always complaining about the bosses. Oh, they don't get this, they don't get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I cannot believe how they actually got their positions. They, saw, they don't seem able to make decisions. Mm-hmm. Then when I had people I was managing, I was actually getting the same feedback somehow. In spite of the fact that I was trying to my best <laughs> to not make the same the same error, mm-hmm. so that's 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 the example. That's probably what what triggered my my personal transformation. It's, uh, it's the way we organize affects the way the 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 the, the, the effectiveness of how we communicate and, and and the way other people perceive us, and 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 that really affects the mutual relationships and and it can ruin a, a team a team or, or a group and and it's not about fixing the humans right we there's a lot going on nowadays uh, reacting to this 
um, over bureaucratic uh, world of organization. And everybody wants to fix the humans. Oh, we have to become servant leaders. We have to become better people. But, but that is really not enough. Uh, we need to change the way we make decisions and communicate. Um, that's, the, that's the only way to work better, better together, I think. And, and which of these behavior change did you recently try out yourself and had the most impact? Oh, you mean, well, are you talking about like self-transforming myself uh, in, in some way? Yes. Well, yeah, that, that's, that's, an ar that's an area I, I should focus on more. Definitely, definitely. Uh, I'm mostly focusing... On organizations more more than 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 myself personally, uh, I think I think most of personal transformation come comes from putting yourself in a context uh, in the child mode I was referring to, and, and it's easier to do mm -hmm. that collectively. At, at least it's much easier for me to get into that child mode when I when I create context with other people and we agree on okay let's step into child mode <laughs> for a while and think about new approaches to <laughs> to, to to things i think that that also drives uh personal transformation much more than just a, than just uh, reflecting on yourself on yourself because we need different views even on, on ourselves and my biggest challenge the biggest challenge for me is to uh probably accept Uh, actually, even before accepting, I actually look for other people's opinions about myself. And this is very important to look, to always, uh, and it's a real challenge. We, we all are afraid uh, somehow <laughs> to get true opinions about ourselves uh, from others. This, this is a big improvement I, I would like to make. Ask, ask a lot more for opinions about myself, uh, for, for coaching, for... Um, guidance yeah definitely powerful how do you help yourself in order to get into this child mode what what are the prerequisites and the elements that you need in order to feel safe enough and um, yeah in order to have the the space and to create the space with you and with other people that you can go into childhood. Right. Uh, well, there's some, on a general basis, uh, I think I've worked a lot on my approach uh, to, 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 to life uh, and, and, and to realizing that the older we get, the more our mental schemes become, become fixed. That's probably the, the very reason why we have evolution and we have generations, right? That's the reason why we don't live 1,000 years, <laughs> but we live just... A, just a few years. Mm -hmm. So the older we get, the more our ideas stick and we, we, we tend to adhere to, 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 to some biases and we, and we cherry pick the stuff we like because it makes sense. And, and it's very hard to step, out, to step out of that. I think the best way to step out of that is, is get into some sort of a playful mode. And in and, uh, and, and order to do that, uh, even use the check-in, check-in round. I'm not referring to a lacrosse meeting, but to any kind of meeting, any kind of gathering to really do deep check-ins uh, when we meet other people 
and uh, and really let yourself go. Uh, and, and sometimes that can can be done with uh, with uh, with some with some questions, and then and then create create a space uh, that uh, where, where people can participate by actually self-inviting themselves. So I. I with a traditional mindset, I, I've always found, found myself um, um, taking part into, into, into meetings where I wanted to create something and, and the need to be, uh, I felt the need to be guided. Now I'm, I'm appreciating less structures, less structured gatherings more uh, because I've developed a different mindset. So I think uh, it, it takes time. It takes time to, to really... Um, develop the, the, the kind of mindset that allows you to get into child play when, it, when needed. And uh, I, I wouldn't say there's a specific way to do it. Just uh, sometimes even just get around the board with, with other people and, and think about a problem and start, start writing things on, on post-its, even, even the craziest things. Like sometimes that's, that's just enough <laughs> to start the child play. Uh, instead of just trying to structure uh, a meeting with a, with an objective and with phases, right? At least when, when creativity is is uh, is concerned. I was thinking about the first question: What do you manufacture? And I have this association right now in my mind that one of the things people buy from you in in large corporations when they buy your consulting services is that they buy this spark of playfulness and this space of uh, getting into play mode, into child mode. Is it something that comes from your, from your Italian creativity or is it something where you would say this is a, a European or a general societal uh, f- function? Well, that that's is very needed? interesting. Uh, yeah, Italians are definitely very good at that. Uh, they, they are probably some of the best in Europe. Europeans are good uh, at that. Uh, not, not all of them. Uh, it's, it's hard to answer this, uh, this question. I, I, uh, I think, well, if you look at my career, it, it wasn't really streamlined into one objective. I've done many things. I've, I've referred to the fact of being a musician, but I've, I've even been a, a, a pilot in the Italian Air Force. <laughs> so it's another... You, you can put me on completely on the other on the other side, right? Uh, although that was really a short experience at the Air Force Academy, which lasted one year. Uh, I I think I, I think it is important to really have a broad range of experiences. I think that's that's part of my nature, um, looking for for new stuff to to try out, and that that really develops your. Uh, your, your playfulness by not taking life too seriously and always look for new, for new challenges. I was, I was mentioning uh, Jürgen Schmidhuber before, and he has a, he has a very interesting mm-hmm. theory about uh, how we go around looking for things to do. And he says our brain has, has only two types of motivation. One is external. It's, it's driven by the fact that we need food, uh, sex, even that kind of stuff. That's driven by nature. And then on the other part, you have the intrinsic motivation. And the intrinsic motivation is what, what really drives you to discover new things. And it's basically, it has traced that down to the, the need of your brain to, impre- to improve its compression algorithms, to find new patterns in, 
in, uh, in life and in the reality that surrounds you, right? And uh, it's not just a matter of collecting those regularities. It's just look for new regularities. Just, just as a child, by playing, uh, looks for games that are uh, challenging, but not so challenging that he doesn't actually get them. And not even so simple that he actually gets bored by those games. So I think this is what we have to strive for in life as well. Always stay on that level of, uh, of curiosity and try to improve these compression algorithms indirectly by doing things that are fun. And the stuff that is fun is actually contributing to that. We find stuff fun exactly because of that reason, because it helps us find new patterns that our brain is thirsty for. And what are you curious about? So is there something like a bucket list that you have? What do you want to learn or to experience in the Oh, that's the interesting. Years? I would really like to learn new languages. Uh, I think, I think uh, I'm always amazed by the fact that uh, the people who already know several languages... Uh, I have really no problems in picking new ones. I only speak two and a half, I would say. <laughs> and uh, I really would like to have the time to learn a new language. I, th I think that uh, helps our brains a lot. Uh, I would really like to spend more time, although I don't have too much time uh, uh, anymore with, the, with music. I think music is another, to play an instrument, it's, it's really important for the development of our brain. I would say that at any age, uh, it really it helps that same compression thing I was talking about on a different <laughs> um, on, a, on, a, on a different area. So yeah, music and new languages are what I would like to learn to learn most. Uh, I, I wish I had time uh, to spend on those. And but obviously, reading reading is really really important. I, I'm I'm not much uh, much of a reader myself. I am not prone to uh, get information from more immediate media like like videos and stuff like that. But I think reading really gives you the the right rhythm, especially if you do it at night before going to sleep. And you, I think the best thing we can do is to absorb new information right before we go to sleep, because then while we sleep, our, our brain gets into some sort of a reevaluation mode. And I often find myself with great ideas right in the morning or even during the night. I, I find myself. Uh, waking up in the middle of the night and writing down things <laughs> that have come to my mind uh, while sleeping or right before falling asleep. So yeah, this is probably, I don't know if I've answered your question, but. Uh, Beautiful. Yes. You also ins inspired, inspired me a lot and uh, triggered my thinking great. at the moment. Is there anything I oh, forgot to ask? Ooh, that's a, some, that's a, some, for Italians, that sounds like a Marzullo question. I, I don't know if you know Marzullo. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> unfortunately, people were not familiar with why I understand this joke. But <laughs> no, no, I don't. No, I think I think we touch a lot of topics. Actually, actually, I congratulate you for the for the quality of the questions you you've asked. It's a very interesting and deep question. I, I really hope I've, <laughs> I've been up to your um, expectations in, in sharing my thoughts. And it's, uh, it was really, really interesting. Um, 
if maybe I want to share a few books, like something to read, right? That, that would be interesting. Yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Some some books that have really influenced uh, my my growth and and maybe something about my plans too. I don't know. <laughs> um, well, I'll start with the books. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. There's a, there's a short list of books that I consider very uh, very important, at least for those who have who are interested. Uh, in the same type of work that I'm doing, like organization um, consulting. I think uh, um, The Evolution of Cooperation by Robert Axelrod, it's, it's an old book, uh, but it's, very, it's a short book as well. And it shows why cooperation is needed and, 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 and autonomously emerges even in hostile environments. And uh, it's basically uh, a mapping of the prisoner's dilemma into various uh, real life situation in nature's and, uh, and, uh, and it shows you how nature's has developed uh, the necessity for cooperation that, that goes beyond the selfishness of the single in, uh, individual. It's a very interesting book. Um, the second book I'd like to mention is probably The Selfish Gene by Richard Dawkins. I love that. I don't know if you read it. Uh, mm-hmm. I love it because it analyzes evolution from uh, as, as if the gene was the actual subject of evolution, not humans. It, it sees, it tries to see the human as a, as, as a, simply a vassal that, that that carries these selfish genes into their journey for uh, replication. And and it's interesting. It's interesting because it forces you to get rid of that anthropocentric view by which we distort many interpretation of, uh, of what happens around us. This, this is a really interesting book. Powerful. Uh, then yeah. obviously, mm-hmm. uh, Reinventing Organization by Frédéric Lagou. Uh, I mean, you, I know, <laughs> and I'm pretty sure you probably, you have read it yourself. <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. in that same area, that, that book is important because, uh, because that's open, evolve, uh, through, it, or, or through which all the accumulated frustration uh, of the way we were previously organizing has, has gone through and, and now it's, it's becoming very popular. And also Maverick by Ricardo Sandler. And then and the last book is uh, specifically for you, Simon, because I know you were three, three athletes, if I remember correct. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not much of a runner mm-hmm. anymore, but yeah. when I used to run more, I remember reading The Posed Method of Running by Nicholas Romanov. I don't know if you've ever read that book. It's an incredible okay. book. Go no. ahead. I mean, no, I would read it. It's called the Pose Method of Running. It has changed completely the way my my technique, and 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 I never suffer from any injuries after reading that book from running. And it was was really great, really great, really great to read. Perfect. And um, that's that's basically Perfect. it. Oh, my plans. Just 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 a couple of thoughts about my plans. I'm, uh, I will. Although I cannot anticipate more, I will soon build something that goes beyond my personal activities and, and probably start a company in the realm of organization uh, consulting because I feel the need to put my energies together uh, with, uh, with other people. And I have found uh, like-minded people in Italy who are willing to go into this venture with me. So mm-hmm. uh, there will be news coming up in the following months, and I'm really excited about that. Well, perfect. Then, Andrea, thank you very much for being part of the show. And to you, our dear listeners, you will find the resources Andrea mentioned, as always, in the show notes. 
and as well on strategiesprints.com. If you want to help others find this show, feel free to leave a comment on iTunes and recommend us in your social networks. Keep rocking. Happy day, Simon.